Welcome to the 167 Podcast, a podcast to inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Our goal is to help you live into the 167 hours of your week away from church. And now your host, Shannon Patterson. Well, hey, Porch community, and welcome to episode 58 of the 167 podcast. I am Shannon Patterson, the lead pastor here at the Porch Community Church with my good friend who I'm socially distancing from, Josh Harrell, our media pastor. Hello, Joshua, way down there. Hey, Shannon, how's it going? Oh, echo, echo, echo. It's going good. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. How are you feeling? Because you've been... I got, got the, I got got the Rona. You never thought you were going to go Greek, but then you got the Omicron. Yeah, well, <laughs> I guess looking back, if you'd said the the um, pandemic was going to be over two years long, I'd be like, sure, I'm going to get it. Just yeah. who knows when. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I did. If you'd th- told me that beforehand, I would have had like a major anxiety like, yeah, yeah, attack. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. No, but we're two <laughs> years in. Of course, we finally got it. Oh, dear. But, um,. You know, I did the responsible thing and, like, called all the people I'd been mm-hmm. right around. Thank you. Yes. And uh, this is, I'm telling you this is because this is how great my community group is. Okay. Not only were they super cool with it because I'd just been. Like, like the night before? Like the night before they were at my house. Oh, goodness gracious. Yeah. Yeah, because you woke up with a fever the next day. Yes, I could see. Mm-hmm. Um, the next version <laughs> should be called Delta Cron Prime. Sorry. What? It's not Omnicron. It's Omicron. Is it not Omni? No, there's no N. So, but but you're probably talking about a transformer that's Omnicron. There is an Omnicron. But there's the Greek letter Omicron. I didn't. I didn't know. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, <laughs> oh my goodness. So I'm glad you're feeling better. Yeah, I'm feeling better. Because it was last week. Last time I like this is the first time I've been out of the house since last Wednesday. Yeah, and that's why you were like, "Are we gonna do the? We're we gonna do the podcast. We're doing the podcast. We're, right? we're gonna meet, right? Yep." No, I'm uh, I'm at that weird stage where I feel fine, but then like I get like I'm ready for a nap. Mm-hmm. Like I think this is the first time in my adult life I've take uh, I'll take multiple naps a day. Well, that's what illness does to you. Yeah, so, yeah. So yeah. Well, I am glad that you're feeling better. Me too. So, and um and one of the things I said Sunday, um when I got up there and said the greeting and everything, I was like, and for those of you watching at home, you you it's like. Thank you for keeping it at home, if that's why you're watching from home right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you watched from home on Sunday? Oh, yeah. Always or were you do. sleeping? I didn't know if you were. Nope, I always watch from... If if I'm not there, mm-hmm. even like if we're out of town... Yeah, yeah. Which I did is very thing. rare. Mm-hmm. We will find somewhere where I can sit long enough to watch yeah, the whole thing. I do that, too. Like, we'll go, we'll go do lunch. Like, we'll plan to go to get to a restaurant at 1030, so we're mm-hmm. sitting down by 1045, and at 1050, I know, and... T- 1050 or 1055 i know if the live stream has gone up so how was it watching uh being a viewer um on sunday um this time this time like i was totally a viewer Mm -hmm. like i i didn't call the tech team i'm like that i texted them a couple things early on in the morning Mm -hmm. just because it was kind of a Usually, I plan my my va- like me not being here like months in advance, mm-hmm. and this so one was set up. Yeah, and this one was like I started calling people on Thursday, right? So there was a few things I forgot to tell people, and I was still covering. But then once like the nine thirty started, no, I didn't have any conversations with anybody, and just I just watched. And our tech team does a fantastic job. They are a great, great group. You've put together a great team. So, yep. well, I don't know. I God has given me 
great people. Yeah. Well, you know, that's that's part of the that's part of leadership is I um you know identifying people, finding people, asking people that mm-hmm. that are that are you know a good sign of a leader is finding people that are smarter than you to do things. Mm-hmm. So that's yep. that's a great thing to do. Well, like I said, I'm glad you're glad you're feeling better. Um. So. We are, we're in the series. Yep, the Bible. The Bible. And um, we went, so I asked a question Sunday. The first week it was, what is the Bible? And we Mm kind of talked about that. And then, we're not kind of, we did. And then this past (laughs) week, um, the question I posed was, what do we do with the Bible? Which seems like a weird question, but go listen to the message. Yeah. um, From January 16th, if you want to... uh, um, find out more, but when we got into the general answer is we need to understand it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know really where most people are on their, I don't want to say literacy of the Bible, but I think a, a depth of understanding of what it is. Um, and so we went down uh, one little trail um, on understanding that there's there's genres yeah. in, in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And that just by understanding that, it helps us to understand. So I wanted to, there was really so much I could have mentioned, and I kind of want to go into that a little bit more yeah. this morning. One of, one of the big ones for me, it, and it, it was like in my adult faith walk, when I start, when I even started asking the question was, is it, are they being literal or figurative? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And even you look at some of the parables of Jesus um, that, and, and I, I will be honest with you, there's times I have to stop and, and check because they're so well known. It's like, no, this really happened. Like yeah. the the prodigal son really did go do this. Like, no, it was a story that Jesus told to make a point. Now, does it matter if it was real or not? The point he was trying to make was what was important, but just to understand that that was a yeah. story, like I, I, a parable. I was a full-grown, working-at-a-church adult before I even questioned if the prodigal son was a real event or not. <laughs> what is that thing people say sometimes? I was today years old I whenever today, I found out. Yeah, yeah. You didn't find that out today, but yeah. yeah so. Well, so I want to take us back just a little bit Okay. to uh, October 30th, 1938. Mm. That's, that's going back a little bit. That's, yeah. <laughs> Um, so in October 30th, 1938, a dramatic radio broadcast um, of a story, a book by the author H.G. Wells um, called War of the Worlds was presented on CBS radio. This was so day before Halloween, CBS right. radio. And it was kind of headed up by Orson Wells, no relation to H.G. Wells. Their names are spelled different. Uh, actor uh, ended up doing Citizen Kane. Yeah. And all that. So, but on the, so October 30th in this dramatic radio show, which this, it went out and reports now, reports vary on whether a couple of things. One is, did millions of people hear this radio show? That was one. Right. The other one was it just hundreds of thousands. Either way, it's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll talk about the, the, um, I don't know, the impact that radio had in a moment. I've got in my notes, but. Um, and although this broadcast was introduced as a drama at the beginning of the hour of the show, it was conducted, it was put together as if it was a a radio show right? with news breaking in onto the radio show mm-hmm. um, without, and it didn't have commercial, it had no commercial interruption. 
So that was another reason it didn't give it a break for you to know, like, oh, this isn't real. So those who tuned in after the, a minute late, yep. I don't know, um, they caught into here was here was the story of the world, the world war of the worlds. That's hard to say. Um, it was about a Martian invasion mm-hmm. um, somewhere in uh, I can't remember gro- something somewhere in New Jersey. Grover's Mill, maybe. I can't remember the name of the town. I don't have that many notes. But, um, so this announcer suddenly breaks into the show, and there was some sort of like dance orchestra program going on, which was part of the dramatization. Mm-hmm. And then his newsflash comes in of this mysterious meteor that had struck New Jersey, and it just lit up the, the, the sky and for miles around. And then a few seconds later, the announcer again, this is all the drama, says that there's monsters swarming out of the mass of this. It wasn't a meteor. It was a giant piece of metal. Right. And they said they were from Mars, which I don't know. Did they have like Mars written on the side of their spaceship? Which I think that was funny that they were like, from Mars, you know. But anyway, (laughs) and they were calling these monsters and that they were destroying people with these death ray guns. And they had this black, like gaseous smoke that was around them. So it was reported the next day. Okay, so now so now it's October 31st, right? The next day, it was reported that thousands of listeners rushed from their homes in New York and New Jersey, um, some of them having towels on their face. This is from an actual New York Times article. Grover's Mill, you're right. Grover's Mill, okay. Um, that they had towels on their face to protect themselves from the gas, which the invader had, you know. Um, supposedly, churches had people rushing to them for, I don't know, holy protection. I don't know. Um, maybe they just need to get get right with, with Jesus before the end of the world. Um, hospitals did treat some people for shock. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, there's one reported hospital, like in Newark, and it had like 15 people for shock. So, but there's some people, you know. Yeah. Um, of course, New York and New Jersey both reported like per- police, fire, um, even newspaper like offices were getting calls from people who were just scared to death. Mm-hmm. So, there is, um, you know, some how many people were affected and how we're not. I mean, no one knows. You and I were talking about it. Like, I think that the media. Oh, they spun it. Yeah. They jumped on the the novelty of it and even made it a little bit bigger than it was mm-hmm. but it it did affect some people okay oh, yeah. so now here i real quick i want our listeners to understand just the impact of radio at that time radio was the source for news uh, live news or the most up-to-date news otherwise you had newspaper mm-hmm. uh, which was a day late um you might have an evening paper in a larger city um but radio was it. And in the 1930s, radio ownership doubled. So from, a, from, in the, from the early 1930s, about 40% of families had a radio. By 1938, 90% of U.S. homes had a radio, more than they had cars and more than they had indoor plumbing. So that's pretty amazing. That's um, impressive. So this is the impact that radio had. And, uh, of course, it brought, uh, it was the, a source of news and comfort during the Great Depression, uh, World War I, um, and, um, or World War II. Yes, World War, World II, War II. II. Yeah, sorry. And we're still in the Great Depression during this time. Yes, exactly. So this is the impact that radio has. I mean, it mm-hmm. is, I mean, 
it's it's what it's what we have on our phones now that pushes through. But I mean, it was the source. I mean, everyone went to it. We have multiple sources. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, we have our phone, but we can choose what sources come to us. Yeah, you didn't have this. Was you had the stations that your antenna right. could pick up. That's right. So some of the listeners on October thirtieth in nineteen thirty eight, they thought some. We don't know the number, but it was no. some. They thought they were hearing real life nonfiction narrative of a of a real time event. Right. Um, others who were listening knew full well that it was fiction, that it was a dramatization. The people lived in Grover's Mill. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so because that's a real town. So whether the program induced mass hysteria or just minor panic or even just a few moments of uh, hold on a minute, um, I recount this event because this is an excellent example, Josh, of how crucial it is to know what genre is being presented to us for information. Whether we're reading it, listening to it, watching it, however we're taking it in, to know, is this real life? Is this drama? Is this a news report? Is this entertainment? This is about genre. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to give a, a definition, uh, genre is, it's really just, it's simply the kind or type of of information, literature, art, um, that something is it just puts it into a type so you would have when we talk about genre um you could have novels or letters or poems or songs um or a radio broadcast i mean these are all different types and within that broad category there are the subgenres that go in there so right. a letter could mm-hmm. be it could be a business letter or a love letter you know like right. so i mean those are those things you know no- novels could be fiction or nonfiction. um and then you can even get down into like biographies and love stories and fairy tales and all that. So when we receive information, it's good for us to know what genre is this? Is this real? Um, to the correct identification of genre, what it does, it's it's challenging though. When we're dealing now, imagine, <laughs> imagine War of the Worlds happening. And you are not a native English speaker. Let's say you spoke Spanish. Let's say you were uh, an Italian family and English was not your first language. And you're sitting there in in New Jersey and you're hearing this program. I mean, that would be difficult. Yeah. It might make the um, what you might pick up on subtly with the, your primary language. Suddenly it might be lost with the mm-hmm. secondary language. Yeah. Um, now imagine that um, this is information that is hundreds of years old, thousands of years old, that's coming your way. Um, so imagine that like in, in, a, in a different culture. So before I want us to shift gears into like a biblical genres, because that's really the point of all this, I want to give just any, one example of um, how, uh, how are our... How our understanding of genre determines the genre. Golly, I'm having a hard time. Genre really has an impact on how we understand a word. It really does. And I don't think we realize it. Okay. So let's use this word. Okay. Pitch. Pitch with a P. P is in Paul. Okay. Pitch. Without context. The meaning of the word pitch is ambiguous, but already our listeners has picked a version. Have picked what they think I'm talking Their about. Their context of the exactly. word pitch. So, without context, this word is just it's out there. So, if you are um sporty, 
Uh, yeah, that's where I'm at. Right? Yep. You go to baseball. Yep. You intuitively know, okay, this is talking about baseball. This is a pitcher. This is someone throwing the ball. That's what's going on. If I'm talking to someone who is from basically any other country except for the United States. That's a soccer field, right? It is. That's right. It's the pitch, the soccer pitch. Um, they intuitively go, oh, that the pitch. Yeah, that's where you go and kick the ball around. Um, if I'm talking to someone who is a singer or a musician and I say pitch, mm. what am I talking about? Right? The tone, right? Yeah, the yeah. musical note. If I'm talking to someone who is a roof, uh, or as we say in Oklahoma, a roofer. Yeah. A or, roofer. Or that watches Shark Tank. Oh, uh, well, I was about, yeah, okay. Yeah. So, so I'm talking to someone who works oh, yeah, on yeah, yeah, a, yeah. Okay. a roofer, then they're going to, that's an angle, and then you're talking about the angle of a roof. I you're talking about that how one. that, you know, or that black tarry substance that you put on top that smells like tar um, to protect it. Or if I'm talking to someone in sales or marketing or advertising yeah. and they hear pitch, they I think a presentation. I forgot about the roof context. Yeah. So these are all contexts, mm-hmm. and context makes all the difference when it comes to the meaning of the word pitch. And here's the deal. Genre is a is clearly the determining factor in that meaning. Mm, okay. So, And we are going to talk about context a lot more uh, coming up in the series. So since genre is so important, right, in determining meaning, this fact cannot be overlooked when we are talking about the Bible. So along this line, one of the mistakes commonly made in biblical word studies, and I've done this too, is to take a concordance or a lexicon and and look up um, the meaning of a word, and it might give you like five or six meanings, you know, of one word, and then apply all of those meanings to a particular passage. Well, that's that's not the way we want to do that. That would be that that method's incorrect. That's as incorrect as thinking that a that a roofer is talking about a musical note or a soccer field or throwing a baseball or presenting something to see if, you know, someone will invest in it all at the same time when he uses the word pitch. Mhm. So um, genre is important. It is so important. And so the Bible, what it includes genres that we're familiar with. I talked about some of these Sunday narrative, poetry, uh, apocalyptic writings, prophecy, epistles, gospels, all those. Um, There's some stuff in Revelation I hope is literal and not figurative. I just think that would be cool. Excuse me. Right. You know, like Jesus coming in on a white horse mm-hmm. with... Like his robe dipped in blood and his name tattooed mm-hmm. on his thigh. Right. And a flaming sword. Mm-hmm. Hope that's literal. Just because? Just because. I mean, <laughs> how cool is that image? That's, that is that is an image. I now, mean, it really is. Now, the dragon, I hope that's figured. <laughs> but, but you're right. Like, so it's important for us to know, okay, what is... It's important to remember that form is essential to the identification of genre. Here's what I mean by that. All genres take a particular form. That's how we know when we start reading, oh, this is narrative. Oh, oh, that's poetry. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, or to give a more specific example, this is how we would identify the difference between a love letter and a business letter, right? We're not going to be like, dear sir. <laughs> or madam. Or madam. And then, you know, <laughs> I love you. Like, you know, you don't do that. Or so. <laughs> to whom it may concern. Yeah, to whom it may concern. That's, a, that's, that's real love right there. So, but form helps us understand how a biblical genre is identified when it doesn't specify what genre is being used. And most of the time, almost every time, it doesn't tell us. Right. Psalms do. 
Yeah. It's Have you noticed that? Yeah. A song for blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You don't often get that. No. So identifying genres helps with our understanding of the Bible. Book but of, yeah. even song in that uh, happenstance is mm-hmm. a different context than something you'd hear on the radio. It, sure. I mean, it's not exact, like it's a not one for one interpretation of the same, of the word song that we, that we know mm-hmm. and interpret. Yeah. I, yeah. And I think, and let me, I guess, just make this point just because there are different genres doesn't mean that one is more important than the other, but it helps us in understanding. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, like it would be, it's important, let's say for, if I'm reading a historical book, to know what is historical fiction and what's nonfiction. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's some great historical fiction out there that took some real moments and then built a story around it. Right. Right. Um, but it's important to know what's real and what's not to, to have an understanding of our world. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, so let's, let's talk about the book of Proverbs, for example, a proverb. Um, what's a proverb? It's a saying uh, by and large is generally, uh, it's about something that is helpful. Um, it generally speaking, it turns out to be true. <laughs> like there's that one that's like, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool to his folly, yeah. you know, now that doesn't mean that, that that's exactly, it's just like, yep, that happens. It yeah. sure does. Dog does go back. Yep. Yep. But a proverb's not a prophecy. Mm-mm. It's not a prophetic word. And so a proverb has no guarantee to it. Mm-hmm. And we need to understand that. So here's another example in in Proverbs 22. Um, train up a child in the way they will go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. Well, this statement is a proverb. It's not a prophecy, so it does not guarantee that a child will always go in the way of the Lord or in the way that they have been trained. And imagine the a misunderstanding of a proverb like this, how, like what it could cause to a parent. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, To feel that kind of weight of guilt, like I have, you know, what comes with that. I mean, it's, 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 it's important for us to know the difference. Because like, if you take that, if you take that as prophecy, then you go, well, where did I screw up? Right, right. Which I think we would still do that anyway. Yeah. But but there's a difference between going. There's a difference between. Yes. What did I do? And the Bible, and then the Bible saying you messed up. Right, right. Yes. You have messed it up. Yeah. Yeah. So when we when we study the Bible, when we read the Bible, we should always ask our, we should always ask ourselves, okay, what's the genre? What's the genre of the book that I'm reading right now? Um, we should remember also that all the books of the Bible have these subgenres that you could go into. Just because just because we've identified the main one, it doesn't mean okay. Well, now I'm, now I'm done. There's there's more to it. Kind of like we were saying, there's parables within the Gospels. Right? Mm-hmm. There's parables that we have of Jesus telling stories within the story. Okay. Within the epistle, within the gospel, which is the proclamation of here's what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if you're ever in doubt about genre, of course, a good commentary is really, really helpful. Um, especially um, those that, if you can find a commentary that talks about um, the form and the structure, it's really, really helpful. Mm. I, I highly recommend that. Um, and genre, I think, is important for us to note because it, it gives us these, it gives us certain parameters in which to determine the meaning. Going back again to that word pitch, right? Like, what is, what is meant here? What is the meaning here? 
Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, genre will usually help us understand the correct meaning of the word because what genre does is it determines the meaning. It, it brings us to that point. Mm-hmm. It helps us to understand that. So um, that was just some stuff I, I wanted to go into uh, that I just really couldn't even begin to touch to go really into on, on Sunday in the message that I think for those who are going, yeah, I want to, I really do want to um, understand the Bible more, you know, cause that main question, what do we do with the Bible? We need to understand it. Mm-hmm. And, and genre is just one of those ways that we can begin to understand um, what is meant, what is said. And I really want to kind of like wade into the context conversation, but I want to hold off on that um, mm-hmm. until our next time around, because um, it's, it's interesting because we didn't plan it this way, but uh, initially didn't plan it this way. But I, I find myself as I'm working on podcast material, um, message material, and we're concluding, we're talking about the Bible, but our next series, Toxic Theology. I'm so excited. Um, I, I, they, they are definitely converging. I mean, it's mm-hmm. almost as if we're just kind of, really, it's... The Bible part two? Yeah. I mean, it's all mm-hmm. just kind of coming in I mean, together. that makes sense. Yeah. So... Because, I mean, if you... Because Toxic Theology is when you, when you take week two... Mm-hmm. And you've never actually like you've ne- you don't know what you're actually supposed to do with the Bible. Yeah, and then right. and then well, I'll just take these verses out of their context and I'll just use them for this. Right, you know. Right, like, that's where the toxic theology comes from. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's kind of like a joke. There's a hint of truth in all of it. Mm-hmm. Oh sure. Yeah. Because it's you're using scripture. I mean, mm-hmm. you know. So when we I get yes, into... you can do all things through Christ, but he's not talking about hit a home run. <laughs> what? I know. <sighs> well, that changes everything. <laughs> exactly toxic oh, theology that's dun, the dun, dun. yeah yeah so we're gonna talk about that and that whole you know idea of um do- doctrine that can be dangerous based on you know scripture out of context and most definitely genre and those things have have come into play mm-hmm. um and meaning and all that so um yeah, that's really all I wanted to talk about with well, genre. Anything else you want to talk about? Well, okay, or so... Or continue or whatever. I kind of see why you didn't want to touch this in a sermon, mm-hmm. because to me, this is like perfect discussion stuff. Yeah. Like this right here. And um, so it makes me go, well, how do I know that something like something actually happened? In, like, how do I know when I'm reading historical mm-hmm. and versus parable? Mm-hmm. Like, we know King David existed. Right. Do we know Goliath actually existed? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or that, or since we're talking about did things really happen, or is it a story f- to get a bigger message out of it? Did mm. Noah's Ark actually happen? Like, yeah. All, like, that's where my head is right now. I was like, is there some kind of resource that you could point me to that goes <laughs> literal, figurative? Yeah, yeah. Or, well, or... Mostly accepted as literal, mostly accepted as figurative. Right, that, and that's what you will find more often than not. <laughs> is what you'll you'll find the really really smart learned people will say mostly that you know, or the majority. Well, well of, I don't want to say absolutes. Well, sure, sure, sure. But I mean, they like for the longest. I'm, I mean, this is the camp I lived in. The for the longest time, it was all factual and everything mm-hmm. had happened. And so I had no question of doubt that the stuff that I was talking about in um, Revelation mm-hmm. wasn't figurative. 
Right. Like, I never even considered that it could be figurative. I right. mean, I was expecting a dragon right. or, and all this, uh, like, all these crazy things to happen. But then, but then when you start reading commentaries, you go, oh, that might not be exactly what they meant. Mm-hmm. Or it's like the, it's how God explained mm-hmm. what was supposed to happen by giving these images. Right. And he wrote the images down. Right. Which I think when you when you're talking about the apocalyptic writings, well, and, and that's, Revelation is probably yeah. one of the biggest ones. When you talk about histor like those historical things, you know, like the Ark and Goliath. I mean, and this is just from my my personal like there. I have no there's no reason for me, and I've never read anything or understood anything that would make me go. And I don't even know if that really happened. I mean, like I. I you know, from, from what I can understand from writings and from historical, you know, and I'm not like a major Old Testament scholar at all, um, but just from my basic understanding is um, there hasn't been anything presented that I have seen that would make me go, oh, that didn't really happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I would stand with those things. I would stand yeah. with the Ark. I would stand with I mean, I do too. Goliath just... and all those things. And, and, um, you know, I don't have a problem with that, but I will say this, and this is, and I, and I hope I'm heard correctly on this. I will say this though, that if someone were to present to me like, okay, that was a figurative story. All right. Let's use Goliath as an example. Like yeah. I don't have a, I don't have any reason to believe that Goliath was not real. And like, one person. That, that was a person and that was taunting the Israelites and yeah. was a beast and like, you know, huge. I have no reason to doubt that story or understanding of that whatsoever. But let's say that that someone was able to prove, and I don't know how they would, that he was more of a, of an, uh, an example or a, an allegory of a, you know, here was someone who seemed like he couldn't be defeated and was against God. And yet the smallest of them took him down. You know, the, the, the point of the story with David, like something I've read and it wasn't a Christian author, but it was, it was an author. He was talking about how, you know, you assume because of the way a story has been told, Mm -hmm. like people think Napoleon was a little person. Mm -hmm. He was five, he was five, nine. He was taller than me. What? I did not know that. Yeah. Wow. Huh? So then, so, well, so the story is he's he's a little person, right? <laughs> well, then it goes to into Bible stories. You could go, Goliath wasn't necessarily a person, but this army regiment that was like the basically the Green Berets, like you couldn't, mm-hmm. they were so large and in charge, you couldn't defeat them. Right. But this little guy, David, had figured out a way to defeat these guys. Right. You know, like it could, not, not saying that it's not, but I mean, like he had some points that would would make you want to question stuff if you weren't very right. solid in, sure. in stuff. Sure. So with that, so again, like I'm saying, I have no reason to, there's nothing that would say make me doubt that. But I will say this, and this is where I hope I'm heard. If for some reason you were to present to me absolute truth that Goliath was just an example and it was just a, a name given and it did represent just a big bad army that just, you know, no one could take him down, but yet David did. Mm-hmm. Um does that change anything for nope. me? It doesn't. Mm-mm. It doesn't change anything for me. Um, now, if you were to say, okay, well, we figured out Jesus was just a man. He was not God in flesh. That changes things. Yeah. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm not going there. Like, I'm not, yeah. I, that's not, yeah. you know, that's not open 
for, for discussion for debate with me as a Christian. So if you're not a Christian, you can try and figure that out and understand that. But like that's my understanding, and so that's where I go. You genre is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, and and to me, and I will say this: when you talk about genre, and you look at the Gospels, these are these. Yes, they're a narrative to some. They are. They can be. They could kind of go into the category of narrative. But more than anything, they are proclamation because mm-hmm. um, these are like, this is what's going on right now. I mean, the Gospels are are the news reports. They're, it's like a documentary. <laughs> yeah. The Gospels yeah. Are, are what's happening. And to understand that genre mm-hmm. is important because, um, you know, a lot of our Old Testament writings... It was an oral tradition. It was it, they were stories that were handed down for a long time before they ever got written down. Right. So you could see how things could change mm-hmm. or you know get modified or whatever, and that's different than the witness of um, Luke or mm-hmm. Matthew or John, you know, or Mark, yeah. and and them saying this is what was going on. That to understand the difference of those genres is really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I think that has I think the genres has more weight per se in the uh, New Testament than mm-hmm. I would say the Old Testament. Yeah, just because of everything with Jesus, and then the dif- difference between understanding a narrative mm-hmm. like the parable and a historical thing like Paul. Yep, I think the jo- the genre has more weight. And you need to be more cognizant of it in the New Testament than per se exactly in the Old Testament. Yeah, and to the point that. When we get into context, we'll talk about this. Understand, and we've talked about it before on this on on this podcast. But like, when you get into context, you are going, okay, who was this written for? What was the situation? You know, and understanding do how do we take this this um, scripture that has been put in the canon and determined to be of use for the church, for the mm-hmm. edification of the church, for building up the body of Christ? How do we apply this? It doesn't mean we throw it out, but is it applicable to us, or is it something for us to learn from that context and go, oh, wow, that's how that was handled. But it doesn't necessarily mean that that's how it's done now. Correct. You know? Yeah, yeah. So the, these are all these things that I just, I think as if, if you are a believer that's been a believer for any amount of time, I mean, unless you're like one day old believer, <laughs> I think it's worth us starting to really understand the depth of the Bible and all that it entails. Mm-hmm. So even if it makes us go, it, it makes us ask a couple of questions. I think that's okay. Yeah. Um, I said this before, but I think asking questions is fine as long as we seek answers, you know, and, and we seek, you know, a, as Christians, mm-hmm. um, we are trusting the Lord to, you know, show us, show us the way. Yeah, so. And, and it, you have to be smart on where you find or you look for answers. <laughs> I mean, looking, yeah. yep. and and that's when you like if let's say you've read everything about a topic in the Bible and you really want some outs outside information to kind of help mm-hmm. you understand. That's where you really need to lean into your pastor or your accountability partner and ask them like, "Hey, where can I find mm-hmm. a sound explanation of this?" Yeah, like where yeah. can I find a uh, sound commentary. Right. You know? Right. Right. Well, and I think, um, you know, those are, that's something that I would, uh, we should make, we should make available for our folks and find some, 
some good ones because there's some bad ones. Links. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I would definitely say that. But. Well, um, yeah, genre, genre, it's important. It is Martian invasions. Mar- Martian invasions in the be Bible. Careful. Gotta be careful. Martian invasions, Napoleon, <laughs> and Goliath. Oh well. Uh, anything else you want to throw? Um, in? I I know we've hit it on last three weeks, but I think it deserves to be hit on again. What do we have coming up for our fifth through seventh graders, Shannon? Ah, well, the journey weekend. It's coming up. You know, we talked about catechesis a couple weeks ago on this episode. I bet you did like a podcast. thousand times. <laughs> Um, but I mean, to me, this is all running together. This is just us understanding, um, who God is. Uh, what we will talk about, what is the Bible and, uh, who is the Holy Spirit and what is the church and what's the purpose of the church and what is sin and what is salvation. And we've got all this incredible stuff packed into a weekend, uh, February 4th through the 6th here at the church, um, for our fifth through seventh grade students. And um, it will be a good time. It will also be, I mean, it'll be an important time, but it will, we've got a lot of fun and, and mm-hmm. just hanging out time uh, planned as well. And uh, you can register online. Yep. You can go to theporchcc.com and go to signups or registrations. Signups. Yeah. Yep. And um, and check that out. And um, I'm excited because I um, took the catechism from, 1855 <laughs> from the Methodist Episcopal Church and used it as the core teaching, of course, with updated language and whatnot. Thousand, a lot of thousand these? Well, not really, but still. Um, but no, I've put it into um, a book called The Catechism. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, it's coming in the mail today, so I'm excited That's exciting. To, to get it. Yeah, so uh, we'll have that for our students and we'll make it available for our um parents as well so they'll know kind of what we're talking about um yeah so and if that's something you're interested in let me know and i'll get you a copy yep so all right well i think that's episode it 58 is now concluded i think i think i'm done i'm glad you're feeling better me too all right porch community we love you we will talk to you see you soon see you bye see you bye You've been listening to the 167 Podcast. Join us next time for more insights to inspire, challenge, and encourage to help you live into the remaining 167 hours of your week.